You're listening to an ongoing discussion on life, leadership, and ministry. This is the Brian Sams Podcast. Everybody, welcome to the Brian Sams Podcast. This is your host, Brian Sams. I'm joined by the Brian Sams Podcast producer, Aaron Chan. Welcome to the Brian Sams Podcast today, Aaron. Hey, how's it how's it going over there? Well, it's going great because here we are right in the middle of the holiday season. I almost wonder if we should have changed the introduction music to a little Michael Bublé Christmas, I'm Dreaming of Maybe White we'll Christmas. Do, we'll do that on the next episode. Next episode, we might do that. That sounds great. That's Here surprising. we are. This is essentially the post-Thanksgiving episode released here on November 30th, 2021. This is exciting. I'll tell you what I'm really excited about. As a Christmas present to us, the Brian Sam's podcast, <laughs> we have our first ever sponsor. So these next six episodes are going to be sponsored and brought to you by Church Media HQ. Church Media HQ, your church's graphics and media should be excellent without being expensive. Church Media HQ is a membership that gives your church access to awesome graphics, videos, and more with pricing options that fit any budget. Right now, you can save 25% for up to 12 months on any Church Media HQ membership when you sign up using the promo code BRIAN. You can view sample graphics and learn more about Church Media HQ and what it can do for you at churchmediahq.com. And remember, you get 25% off any membership for up to a full year when you use the name Brian as the promo code. Get awesome graphics and more for your church at churchmediahq.com. That's churchmediahq.com. The awesome people at Church Media HQ, led by Luke Clayton, one of my former students. They're awesome, do a great job. They'll serve you and your church or ministry well. Check them out there. And uh, now today, just be in the spirit of the holiday season, Aaron, we wanted to introduce a holiday topic. Very light. Very light. We want to talk about the mistake of secondary separation and the issue of theological triage. What is secondary separation for those of us don't know? Secondary separation would be, I think, could be defined two ways. One would be separating from someone who doesn't draw the lines of separation the same way that you do. Mm -hmm. In other words, I'm going to separate from you because you don't separate from him and I separate from him. So second degree would mean you're you're moving one person away from an actual issue. So basically you're saying all your friends have to be exactly the same as you. That's exactly right. It is the it is the necessity of uniformity, not unity. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and then sec- I think I think to add an element to that, another way to look at secondary separation would be to frankly separate over secondary issues. Mm-hmm. Issues that should not be separated over. And this is a real problem. So let's start here. Let's start here. Uh, When we talk about the issue of secondary separation, we tend to think of it only from an independent Baptist perspective. We think, well, independent Baptists are notorious for separating over things that aren't centered or separating from people who don't separate just exactly the way I do. And I think that's true. Mm -hmm. And we'll give some examples to talk about that in just a minute. But I think it's also interesting to note that it, it happens in other groups as well, particularly right now uh, in the Southern Baptist Convention over the issue of the Conservative Baptist Network, which is a grassroots group within the convention. They're all Southern Baptists. 
and they are uh, releasing a film coming up called Enemies Within the Church. And there's a trailer out for this right now, and I think it's enemieswithinthechurch.com. And you can go watch the trailer. And basically, the trailer is showing, attempting to show, that there are institutions and churches and preachers within the SBC who are enemies of the church and convention based upon um, different positions on things like critical race theory, um, and, and that would be one of the predominant ones. Interestingly enough, I had a conversation with a guy who was trying to explain to me why he was against the Southern Baptist Convention just the other day, and I said, well, why? Mm-hmm. And he said, because they, 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 they're liberal. They don't believe the gospel. And I said, well, give me an example. And he said, well, they, they, there's guys within that, that support critical race theory. And I said, well, is critical race theory about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the sufficiency of Scripture? And he said, well, no, but it affects your view of mm-hmm. humanity and segregates people groups. And I said, well, that's fine if you want to believe that. But the truth of the matter is um, that that's not a gospel-related right. Right. priority issue. So you have this everywhere you go. But within the SBC, there's this war between what is apparently conservatives and apparently mod, um, moderates, and I'm, I'm, I'm using air quotes, I know you can't see me, but <laughs> because I don't believe there should be a separation between conservatives and moderates. There's a letter that was just put out by uh, the president of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, Adam Greenway, to the president of Michael Spradling, who's the president of Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary. Now, here's an important distinction. The Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary is one of the six mm-hmm. actual seminaries. Mid-America Seminary is an affiliate, but it's not an official Southern Baptist entity in the sense that it receives cooperative program support. Mm-hmm. So this is an interesting note. So the Mid-America Seminary is the one promoting the Conservative Baptist Network. The first president of the SBC is, um, is the vice president of that seminary. Lee Brand is his name. Huh. And so... Basically, the last Southern Baptist presidency election between Ed Litton and Mike um, Stone was essentially a battle between the CBN, Conservative Baptist Network, and the more moderate group supposedly re- represented by Ed Litton. And it's all, none of this is about the Baptist faith and message or the gospel. This is all about all this other stuff. Yeah. Okay. And here's the interesting thing that's going on here. It supposedly... The, the um, Southern Baptist Convention is identified by the Baptist Faith and Message of 2000 that was drafted by Adrian Rogers and the Conservative Resurgence. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to be able to identify with this doctrine, and then things that are outside of this doctrinal statement, we should be leaving them alone. Well, that's exactly not what's happening here. The Conservative Baptist Network and this movie, Enemies Within the Church, is taking something outside of that message and is trying to divide the convention based upon these, what we would call secondary issues, Right. okay? And you might rebut on go, well, it's not a secondary issue. Well, if it's not in your doctrinal statement and it's not core to the gospel and it's not about the inspiration of the Bible, whether you like it or not, yeah. it is not a priority <laughs> issue. So uh, basically, Michael or Adam Greenway writes to Michael, and he put this out on social media, so it's not like I'm just cherry-picking him. Um, he basically says that he takes issue with with the Conservative Baptist Network insinuating Marxism 
with scandalous slander uh, condoned by an institution such as Mid-America. That was his issue. And he basically uh, writes and says, how can you divide, since the sentiments characterized by both institutions uh, reflect the much-needed conservative resurgence within the convention, should they not even now more given that both institutions confess congruently convictions concerning biblical authority, inerrancy, and sufficiency, shouldn't we be on the same page? Right. I agree with Greenway. Mm-hmm. Meaning, why are we out here killing each other over this? Okay, And in the independent Baptist world, it would be things like dress, music, translations, mm-hmm. or frankly, I've, been, I've, I've, I've had people... Some different personalities. Different personalities. I've had people have issues with me over closed or close communion. This mm-hmm. is non- it's nonsense. It's not something that should be centered. And that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think that we make we are making huge mistakes and we're turning large scale numbers of people away from conservative theological beliefs mm-hmm. because we are unnecessarily separating from one another. And that's the problem we're trying to address today. Yeah. It's like you're um it's like you and me agree on 95% of things, but the 5% that we don't agree on, I'm going to separate from you because of that. Yeah, and and that's that's true, and that's a good point. The worst part about it is is the 5% that we, that we don't agree matter. on. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So it would be one thing if we agreed on 99% of orthodox doctrine, 5% non-orthodox. Mm-hmm. We might have an issue there. In other words, right. you might believe in everything, but you actually don't you, you don't believe in supernatural miracles in the Bible. Mm-hmm you're a naturalist or right. whatever. Well, I could have issue with you there. But we agree on every single major doctrine that you can even find in the Bible, and yet you believe that creation is six ages rather than six literal days. Mm-hmm. Right. And that would be a secondary issue. It would be. Not for some, but that's yeah. the problem we're trying to address. Right. Because the answer is, okay, the, the issue is where in the world do you stop if you don't have a clear-cut way to do this. Man, I wish the Bible would address something like this. When do you actually say Yeah, that? you're yeah, right. You know? So, and, well, hello. <laughs> it actually does. And I, and I would take up issue with anybody that would want to debate about this. I am convinced scripturally there are only two reasons to ever separate from another brother or sister in Christ. Mm-hmm. So let me work through those. Number one is when a brother or sister of Christ or a professing brother or sister in Christ denies something that is essential to the gospel. Mm-hmm. Let me give you a, the most obvious example. That's Galatians chapter number one. In Galatians chapter number one, Paul says, do I seek to persuade men or please Christ? If, if any other person or any other angel preaches to you another gospel uh, which is not another. Let me let me just read it here because I'm now now I'm just getting lost here. Let me back up. Sorry about that. Let me back up and um, verse seven or uh, verse six. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who has called you to the grace of Christ to another to a different gospel which is not another. Mm-hmm. There's a play on words there. Yeah. Another of the same kind. Another of a different kind. So he's saying another. He's saying you have left the gospel to a different gospel. Another of a different kind which is not another, another of the same kind. Right. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Here it is. But if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that we have preached unto you, let him be accursed, damned to hell. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, and I could go to Second John. I could go to Third John. I, ad nauseum, really. 
there's these statements. Do not treat a person like a brother in Christ who doesn't believe the gospel. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what is the gospel? The death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Who he was and what he did to bring our salvation. If you don't believe that he's the son of God, if you don't believe that he died of vicarious blood shed death on Calvary and rose bodily from the resurrection and is the only means of salvation. If you don't believe that, then I am to separate from you and treat you as such, mm-hmm. as an unbeliever. That's pretty harsh. That's harsh. And and, and the, here's the sad thing about secondary separation. We treat guys with the same harshness as that who think it's okay for their wife to wear pants. Yeah. And that's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem. <laughs> or... Or a guy who uses a modern translation of the Bible. And we end up treating them the same way. And here's how I know that because I've experienced it <laughs> firsthand. I mean, just the other day I was uh, scheduled to speak at a youth rally. And I was invited by a church. And that they were hosting a large number of churches that came in. And when these other churches saw my name on the program, they rose up in arms and basically demanded that they disinvite me. Mm-hmm. All because, not because I wouldn't use the King James when I preached there, but because I just have a different position. Yeah. Yeah, you were, you were going to use King James while you were there. Of course. Yeah. Of course. I do everywhere I go that uses the King James. It's not a problem because I'm not new King James only. Okay, I just believe that I think in all fairness, if I'm with somebody who's uses a different translation to support them and mm-hmm. to promote unity and to show respect to them, I don't even ask them. But it's not that's not enough. And so that's the crazy stuff. Yeah. So I get treated, I get disinvited. I've been preaching youth conferences and stuff for years. I got disinvited from a student that I taught who wanted me to come, but his father and pastor decided that they had to disinvite me just to please the brothers. That's sad. So I was treated like an unwelcome, non-believing, non-fundamental person over that issue. And that's sad. And I don't see that in the Bible. So let me give you the second way. The second way separation is to occur is over what we would simply call church discipline. So you got 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, um, and verse beginning at verse number 6, uh, he says... Uh, but we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus, to with, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which you received of us. And in case there's any question about what Paul's talking about here, he gets into it. He says, he says these people, as he mentioned about their confusion of the second coming uh, in First uh, Thessalonians, mm-hmm. had stopped working, had stopped providing for their families. Basically, they were a bunch of lazy bums, and the tradition is not anything we believe that was traditional. It was, we told you what to do here, and you didn't do it from the word. Mm -hmm. So here's an openly disobedient brother, and he says, withdraw yourself. And then you got 1 Corinthians 5 about the man who had the sexual sin with his um, uh, stepmom, I think it was. Mm -hmm. Um, And and Paul tells him to withdraw him, to, uh, to, to do church discipline and remove him from the congregation. So... There's only two ways this works. You remove yourself from an association with people who don't believe the gospel because by preaching with them or fellowshipping with them or, or talking to them as brothers, you are, you are essentially uh, affirming their faith, which you right. can't do that. Or, or somebody's in your church and they're committing public unrepentant sins and you are supposed to separate from them uh, as far as church discipline goes. Outside of that, there's nothing in the Bible but a plea for unity, mm-hmm. a plea for cooperation. Philippians one twenty seven, 
And I could go on and on and on and on. Read John 17, the last prayer of Jesus to his Father. Mm-hmm. It was that we would all be one. Right. And so what I think we've done is we've flipped it. Jesus emphasizes unity and cooperation among Bible believers with the exceptions of church discipline and somebody who's turned against Christ and doctrinally. And we flipped it. Mm-hmm. We make separation over all kinds of issues. The rule and acceptance and cooperation, the the exceptions right. to the rule. That's man. <laughs> so here's the problem. The, the fundamental problem, Aaron, is is a misunderstanding of what we would call theological triage. Let's talk about theological triage. You want to give us a, the book recommendation here? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, was it Dane Ortland or Dane? Gavin? I believe. Is it, okay. By Ortland, one of the Ortlands, he writes a book called Finding the Right Hills to Die On. Um, and in that book, he mentions this kind of a system, I guess. When you go to a hospital, you, you go to the ER and you find there's a big sign that says triage. And you wait in line, you go there, they determine how serious of a, an emergency this is. You know, if you're, if you're there, you got a little paper cut, you know, they're going to laugh at you. But if you have your guts come, pouring out on the ground, they're going to get you pretty mm-hmm. urgent care. Mm-hmm. So similarly to um, to hospital triage, we have theological triage. What things merit uh, a certain separation over uh, yeah. somebody else? So tier one, tier two, tier three, right? There's right. three different tiers. And this was a concept introduced by Albert Moeller. He yeah. Was the, mm-hmm. and, then, and I think Ortland just unpacked it. And I did mention this in 2020 in my top books I read. It was, it was in that list. Um, and I agree with that. So what he, what he suggests is this, just like you mentioned, uh, we have to make decisions in triage. What is most important? I mean, Jesus does talk about weightier matters of the law. Mm-hmm. Paul talks about fighting a good fight. There are things that are priority and there are things that are not. How do we make that determination? So let's talk through that. Give us tier one. What is what is a tier one priority in theological triage? Tier one would be things essential to the gospel. So this would be things that are core historic doctrines, things like deity of Christ, um, the bodily resurrection, uh, the doctrine of the Trinity, you know, you can get all messed up there and become Mormon or Jehovah's Witness. Um, the virgin birth. Um, thing, so these are like baseline, core doctrines. If you get wrong on one of these, you're basically not a Christian. Absolutely. And, I, and I've, I've, I've framed it in a que- question. What things do you have to believe right. to be a Christian? And, and only the answer to those things should be should receive the kind of separation that Paul talks about in Galatians 1. Mm-hmm. It's another gospel. Yeah. And and we we ought to ferociously contend for the faith. And I make no apologies about that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stand. I remember I remember we bought this Lutheran building that we're setting recording in today and those Lutherans offered us the building for free if I just become their pastor. Yeah. But I turned around and looked at them and said, "Well, are you saved? <laughs> Have you been baptized by immersion? If not, you can't even join my church." Right. And, and so that's a $2.5 million stand, mm-hmm. if you will. But I know I'm a compromiser, right? So, <laughs> um, it, it, is, it is believing the gospel and saying, this is a line in the sand. And every Christian and every preacher should be willing to do that. But i got to assure you, every independent Baptist fight I've ever seen, or this Southern Baptist issue that, that they're facing, this is not it's about tier this. One. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about tier two. Tier two. Things essential to your denominational identity. Um, these would be things like uh, church polity, so the way your church governs itself is organized, mode of baptism, immersion versus sprinkling, 
whether or not your church believes uh, more Calvinistic or more uh, on the side of Arminianism. Basically, this is um, the, a good way to put this is we can work together, but we can't worship together. Yeah, it's simple. I mean, you should. So the first one, you can't be a Christian if you don't believe these. Mm-hmm. What things are essential to you being a Christian? The second one is what things are essential to you identifying with this church? Mm-hmm. So example. I, would, I should not become a member of a church upon which I do not agree with its denominational identity. Or I should not be ordained in a church to which I do not subscribe to its denominational identity. And I'm not talking about denomination in the sense of am I SBC or independent. I'm talking about are you a Baptist or Presbyterian? Right. Yeah. Okay, in fact, I appreciate in the book, in the book by Ortland, he grew up a Presbyterian. And in, in seminary, he became convinced of, to being a Baptist. Now, he's a Reformed Baptist, but he is a Baptist pastor mm-hmm. in California and would not take Presbyterian ordination because he was convinced, particularly about baptism, I believe, not, not right. infant baptism, yeah. but you know, believer's baptism. Well, that's solid, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I couldn't—I I believe—I am a Baptist on purpose. I know, again, I'm sure I'm, I'm just the—you know, I'm a compromiser, but if you just go look at our church sign mm-hmm. and our website, it says River City Baptist Church. I mean, <laughs> I renamed the church. I could have called it River City Church. I could have called it The River. I could have called it, you know, whatever, but we didn't. We left that denominational identity. I wanted it to be on the front sign because I'm not trying to hide anything. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, when it comes to Baptist doctrine, hello, these guys, you know, some guys try to make themselves look so superior. You ain't different than most people. The only difference is you believe in modes of baptism that are different, mm-hmm. and you believe in the, the, the memorial picture of the Lord's Supper rather than a sacramental picture. Right. Let's not act like you're all that different. Okay, but there are Presbyterians that believe the gospel. There are Presbyterians that believe yeah. in the inspiration of Scripture. Mm-hmm. The only reason I'm not a member of their church is because... I couldn't because I'm not going to baptize my babies, yeah. and and I'm not a, and I'm not Calvinistic. Mm-hmm. So that would be a, a problem for me. I'd struggle with that. So therefore, I'm a Baptist. Now, will I preach for a Presbyterian? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, will I work with them in some ministry endeavor? Of course. But I can't be a member of their church for those reasons. But I'm sure not going to spend my life fighting them. Yeah. Um, and so that's how you draw the second tier. Yeah. So that's. Uh... <clears throat> Tier three is where we most of us are kind of live right now. We get caught up that we, you, when you open the podcast, this is where this is where tier three happens. Mm-hmm. Things that are tertiary. Um, so these would be things like okay, worship music styles, political views, dress standards, Bible translations, um, architectural standards. If there are such, you know, things like I mean, just things that are just completely not in the Bible. Yeah, um, views of creation. Yeah, uh-huh. um, I think fall into here. I think. Um, uh, I think even um, yeah, so I think we've identified a good a good kind of broad view, and it, it's so different for so many different um, churches because there are depending on if you're in a denomination or you're independent or whatever, it you you end up there are different big button issues. I mean, honestly, critical race theories and examples more prominent mm-hmm. in in the SBC talk and culture because they frankly have more vocal voices out there that are talking about it. Independent Baptists historically have really, honestly, been three. Yeah, The three that you always hear about is dress, music, and translation. That's it. Yeah. And, um, you know, there are, there have been a few, I've seen, I've seen, again, communion, views of communion, closed, closed, or open. 
um, et cetera. But, but outside of that, you really find those standard-driven things that mm-hmm. kind of mark, mark us off. And here's, here's what Tier 3 says. Tier 3 says, you might believe it. It might be important to you. It might even be a conviction for you. But you cannot, according to Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians 8 through 10, you cannot force this as an issue of cooperation or separation upon other people. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of personal belief. If it look, if it's not in the Bible and it's not a doctrinal matter in the Bible, you can believe whatever you I can believe that frogs should be red. <laughs> Okay, I could like write a blog about it. If you don't have red frogs, you keep green frogs, then you're not right with God. I can believe whatever I want to believe. But when I begin to impose that garbage on the church and I begin to fight with brothers or sisters in Christ and separate and and try to make myself look good and demonize other churches, let me tell you what it is. I'm going to tell you what it is right now. If you practice secondary separation and you fight with brothers over tier three issues, it is sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. What would be, I guess now the question is, what would be the path forward for both oh. CBN and... Uh, yes. Yeah. And- so I think, number one, I think we need to return to being willing to have a, an agreement on a doctrinal statement that is simplified. Mm-hmm. If, I were, if I were calling any shots in the Southern Baptist Convention, this is what I would say. Quit making stupid resolutions about stuff. How about we just return to what it was? Mm-hmm. What it was was a group of churches that believed on a doctrinal statement and allowed for differences outside of that doctrinal statement and worked together in the single greatest and largest funded Great Commission operation in the history of the universe. So I would tell all of them, quit talking about race theory. Quit talking about Marxism or whatever you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. Just do you agree with the Baptist faith and message or not? If you do, let's work together. If you don't, then you can't be a part of this. Yeah. And that all some of that stuff happens on a grassroots level. And here, like in Jacksonville, the JBA is very eclectic. Yeah. But everybody agrees on it. I know for a fact because I know the insiders. They will turn away a church that has a who a guy who says me and my wife are the elders of this church cannot be a part of the local association, which right. is your entrance to mm-hmm. the actual convention. I know on a grassroots level, if you don't believe in the Baptist faith and message, you cannot be a part of the convention. I know. If, and you and I have talked about what happens, Aaron, when when a new faculty member comes on the one of the six seminaries. They have to sign a document um, that says they they uh, agree to the Baptist faith message, and that they will only teach according to that. In front of everybody. In front of everybody. Yeah. So there's no question. There is no such thing as a seminary professor or a college president or a seminary president in the SBC that is an actual SBC entity mm-hmm. that does not believe the Baptist faith message. So quit <laughs> telling us that there's something liberal about the Southern Baptist Convention. Mm-hmm. Now, are there people who affiliate that have some beliefs that are off-centered outside of the Baptist faith message? Sure. Of course. Yeah. Of course. But... I would tell them, just quit talking about the resolutions. Come together at the convention, celebrate the victories, celebrate what's happened to IMB, celebrate what's happened in the seminaries, support missionaries, and on the rest of it, just shut up. Okay, now, how do we fix it on a local level? Stop preaching preferences. Mm -hmm. Quit it. Just quit it. If it's not in the Bible, stop talking about it. Just quit. It's the only way that you're going to keep your church out of controversy. Um, 
at our church, we don't talk about stuff. If it's not in the Bible, if it's not in the expositional, sequential preaching of the Word of God, they're not hearing about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And last night, I even addressed this a little bit in my sermon last night. I said, if it's not a core doctrinal issue to be found in the Word of God, then we're not talking about it, and you're not going to argue about it. I mean, I say these things publicly. Mm-hmm. We're not doing this. It starts with the pulpit. As long as you keep making a big deal about dress and about Bible translations and about some weird interpretation of some verse somewhere, and you keep emphasizing political issues like Trumpism, nationalism, you keep doing that, and you're creating a hype. This is why, frankly, Greg Locke has such a massive following in his church. It's, it's hype. all hype. Yeah. Yeah political hype. It's awful. There's nothing about Jesus going on there. Or, um, and so, uh, and then guess what? The minute he would soften up on a political view, he'll blow the place out of the water. Yeah. And that's that's a mistake. That's sad because the, the, now they're united around not the gospel. That's they're united exactly around right. something else. And now you can understand why there's so much division because yeah. we're not united around the gospel. So then um, I would say um, if you've been practicing unnecessary secondary separation, and you've been public about it, and you've been standoffish, stop it! <laughs> like, quit! <laughs> Go immediately and find a good brother across town that's a Southern Baptist or an independent Baptist that you don't know much about, and just pr- have him preach immediately. Just mm-hmm. do, it. do it. And have him use a different translation than you do just because. And just do it. And you know what? You might have to deal with some of the fallout, but I'm, I'm tired of people feeling like they've got to hide behind these false walls of separation. It's killing us, man. Mm-hmm. The world's going to hell. We're losing ground. We're losing moral ground. We're losing constitutional ground. We're losing our country. We're losing our churches. And you still think this is important? Yeah. No, absolutely not. Yep. Well, man, you know, uh, we could talk about this for a long time. I would love some feedback questions on this. We could do a follow-up episode. And maybe you got a practical question. How would you deal with A, B, C, or D? We're going to put this up in the show notes and give you a chance to reply with a comment or an email directly to me or Aaron. Um, but this is a burning issue for me, man. This is this, this is one of the issues that transformed the way I do ministry. Yeah. And so I hope you will uh, find something here that was helpful. Thank you guys for joining us today. We uh, certainly appreciate your support of the Brian Sams podcast. And we look forward to the next lesson on life, leadership, and ministry. From uh, On behalf of Aaron, I say have a great rest of your day. Goodbye.